Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs as the AFC champions. This is the Press Box. The Philadelphia Eagles have won the NFC Championship 4-3-2-1. By the final score, the Eagles 31, the 49ers 7. With Grady and Bischoff. I hope both teams lose. We wish we were playing so bad. Uh, that game still hurts, and it will for a while. But I think Nick Bosa said it best. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm going to watch the game. It might hurt too much. ESPN Las Vegas. We good? Well, we got the Chiefs radio call. That was very, yeah. <laughs> very angry, but it was still better than the Eagles radio yeah. call. The Eagles guy sounded like he's from 1944. <laughs> like, what Four, are they doing three, in Philly? Two, one. Yeah, that was his countdown. Of Phil- I mean, it was a blowout, but. And I cut part of it off. He started the countdown at 10 seconds. <laughs> He did like ten nine eight, and then said something, and then did four three two one. Oh, he set that up. He had that done before the game. Thing he before uh, before the game. He, well, he had set that. He up. had a whole three quarters to think about it because yeah. the game was over right, exactly. right away. So, all right, fun Ed, day of sports radio. Yeah, Ed Tyler and Danny. Danny's gonna fall asleep home last night from the Rebel game. What time did you land? Uh, I think we landed like around one thirty. One thirty. Yeah. Got home, and you told us you never went to sleep, so this is dangerous today. Right. It'll be fun. Might get a little loopy. It'll be good, though. I got some coffee. Okay. Well, what a shock. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be collapse fun. collapse into the board, and we'll be off the air, and then we'll have to leave. Yeah, we're only doing radio. It's fine. Yep. The first bite. Is Derek Carr going to be traded to the Saints? Have you seen? I didn't. You know, I thought we'd see more about what the how the visit went. He went to dinner last night. Did he go to dinner? Did you see that? Okay, did you see that with Dennis Allen? Uh, With Dennis Allen and other people. Let's see. According to Nick Underhill, who covers the Saints, Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael, and other members of the Brass. Okay. All right. So we're getting some tidbits of news about him staying there and. And talking to them about possibly becoming a saint. Right. And here's the other thing. He says that the dinner just ended, uh, and he tweeted that at 1035 Central Time. So they had a late dinner. It's a long dinner. That's that's a late dinner. Sitting there until 1035. They had to get kicked out of the restaurant. I uh, The thing, I maybe I shouldn't be surprised, I'm not so sure, is are the reports of... Uh, what the Raiders would be okay with are the, you know uh, third rounders and stuff like that. Uh, to me, it's like boy, I can't believe. I mean, I'm sure they. Ask, I can't believe they haven't asked for more for him. Uh, maybe I'm wrong that this is the compensation you get for a guy who's what six days away from where you have to cut him. Uh, I think it's six days now because it's the ninth. But when I saw third round, I don't know what you thought. I thought is that. Too little for Derek Carr, or are they just up against the deadline and they have to take what they can get now? It's basically nothing for Derek yeah. Carr. Quarterbacks get traded for first round, first picks round picks all the time, especially quarterbacks that the other team acquiring them is like, oh, this is our guy. Yeah, it's it's always a first round pick. So third round pick is nothing. Um, the way Jeremy Fowler reported it was Raiders asking price is modest. One NFL source said third round pick could 
get it done. So could get it done. Maybe that means the Raiders want a second, but they'll, the Saints. they'll negotiate down to a third if it comes to that. Um, I, I'd say this. I think if they trade Carr for anything less than a first or a second, it's a bad deal for the Raiders. Then I, you're just desperate trying to get anything. Right. It's like a third round pick for Carr is essentially nothing. Right. It's it, what do you, I mean, sure, you'll like to have the third round pick, but sure. what are you I, doing? But the other side of that to me, if I'm an NFL team who needs a quarterback and Derek Carr is available for a third round pick, I'm lining up. I, I, I know, sure, he could get cut in a, in a week, but when he gets cut, he becomes a free agent. And yeah. when he's a free agent, he doesn't he even have, have to a listen chance to, to get him. But if I hear, oh, the Saints are only going to have to give up a third to get Derek Carr, and I'm Carolina or Indy or Tampa or whatever, I'm calling the Raiders and saying, hold on, just a third round pick? Yeah. Can you book his flight from New Orleans to us next? Yeah. Like, that's 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 absolutely worth the price if you think Derek Carr is going to be your quarterback. Absolutely. So I saw a report this morning that he's going to go to Carolina and visit uh, with Frank Reich, which. Oh, is he, he's going to Carolina. I saw a report this morning that he's going to go to Carolina. And here's the thing. It's like you said, if you're sitting back and you're the Carolina Panthers reading all the same reports we're reading, I'm getting there. I'm getting them there as fast as possible. Right. The whole idea of other teams waiting for the Raiders to cut Carr only makes sense for one team. And that's the team that would sign Derek Carr. Not like once if the Raiders do cut Carr, only one team gets to sign him. So right. the idea that, oh, we'll make the Raiders wait or we'll play the waiting game and the Raiders cut him, like that sounds nice, but if you don't have a chance to sign him once he hits free agency, what good does that do you? Yeah. So you should absolutely be calling the Raiders because you jump the line of free agency. You get out there and you get to talk to Carr and potentially the, the other part of this is Carr renegotiating his contract, right? Right. So right. If you're renegotiating the contract as you trade for him, you're basically going through the free agency process of, hey, what would you play for? What can we sign you for? And you have to give the third round pick, but that eliminates the free agency part and you get yeah, him. You get him. You don't have to deal with others. If you do that. The interesting part on the Saints is their salary cap situation, which is their, their negative, negative 57 yes. million cap space. They have a lot of work to do just to get just to get the even. Right. Without right? without even doing car. Right. Know. Let alone making money to sign Derek Carr, or trade for and sign Derek Carr. They got to do a lot of work just to get back to zero right. and then get car, which is why I don't know that the saints make a ton of sense because unless they're really smart with money, but like the, the thing the saints keep doing is they keep pushing the dead cap hit to the future instead of just taking the hit one year. Like, they could just decide, we're, we're going to be bad for a year, but we're going to clear our cap situation. We're going to eat, we're just going to eat everything in this one year, and then we're, we're back in 2024 with real cap space and all of that. But instead, they're kind of like, ah, let's go get Carr, and let's try to win nine games, and I guess that could win that division, but you're not really doing anything. So it doesn't really make, if I was the Saints, I'd be trying to reset everything, but it appears as though they're kind of interested in, all right, how can we keep pushing right. this down the road? Right. So we can always be an eight or nine win team, which is kind of stupid. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're they're in such bad shape. Uh, I don't know who they have in their front office, but they better be smart with money to try to solve this. But like you said, if they're going after Derek Carr, they're not solving it. Right. 
you trading for if you're trading for Carr, you're saying well, you have to pay him, right? And you're saying we're going to be competitive this year. Like right. our goal is not to reset no. or no, you know, build for 2024. Your goal is, hey, how many can, how many games can we win this With season? Him. And yeah. Probably not going to be that much, but again, that division it doesn't need much to win. No, to win it. The as we just wanted an eight and nine. And by the way, the quarter, the right now, the best quarterback on every team in that division: Jameis Winston, Desmond Ritter, PJ Walker, Blaine Gabbert. That's Derek Carr best, would be the best quarterback. That's the in that best division. quarterback. Yeah, Derek Carr would be the best quarterback on every team in that division. What a yeah. gauntlet of a division! Now, yeah. obviously, those teams are going to go try to get other quarterbacks. They might draft one. They might sign Garoppolo or whatever. But as of right now, it's like PJ Walker, Desmond Ritter, Blaine Gabbert, and Jameis, who the Saints don't seem to like very much. No. Because they, they would played, not play him over Andy Dalton. They played Andy Dalton over Even him. when he got healthy, they were like, nah, right. we're riding with Andy Dalton to miss the playoffs. So that was a little strange. But that, I think, is why the Saints and Carolina, if he's going there, and if he ever goes to Tampa, all three of them, would be attractive for Derek Carr because you look around and you say, all right, what do I have to do to make the playoffs? Right. Okay. Right. okay. I just Win need to, nine games. And I just need to like kind of not be terrible. I don't even yeah. have to be good, and we probably win the division if he goes to one of the teams in the AFC or in the NFC South. Um, so if I was Carr, I'd be pretty intrigued by those. I do wonder... I do wonder what the conversations are for renegotiating his contract. I mean, he's going to get 40 plus. Because, right? well, I guess it's going to be different for the Saints and the Panthers because the Saints are going to have to rework it to where they basically don't take a cap hit on him this right. year. It's going to have to be what a signing you put, bonus. You put most of it as a signing bonus, right. and then you can push the cap hit into the future, but it'll be like, are the Saints going to structure it to where like his cap hit is five million this year and like sixty five million next year? Because that's kind of what you'd have to do. So I'd be curious to see what they do. And if you're trading, if we just say it's a third, if you're trading a third for Carr, how much guaranteed money are you giving him? Because if you just trade for him and keep his contract in place, it's forty million guaranteed. Right, forty million. Are you trading a third, and then are you good with giving him? 75, 100 million guaranteed, guaranteed, because I would have to imagine that's what Carr is interested in. Yeah. Carr is interested in, okay, uh, obviously, you know, how, what's the fit here? But if he wants, if he's sold on the fit, if he's like, all right, this will work in New Orleans or Carolina or wherever, I imagine his next question is, well, how much guaranteed money right. are you willing to give me? And if the answer is 40 million, he might not be that interested. But if it's 100 million, Car's probably that. That's probably, probably gone. That's what he probably chooses. I don't know what his number is, but I'd guess a hundred million. He'd be good with. Be a hundred guaranteed. Million guaranteed yes, yeah, hundred million guaranteed and a chance to win a weak division. So until Tom Brady unretires and goes back to <laughs> goes Tampa. Back to Tampa. <laughs> I just like I said, I was. I mean, if they, it's the only thing they can get for him, and they got to move him before cutting him just to get something, I was surprised that it was a third rounder. I mean, maybe, look, they had to ask for more. If they didn't, they're stupid. Right. That's, I mean, yeah. if you <laughs> walk in and say the first thing, give us a third for yeah, Derek, for Derek Carr. Carr, then you're dumb. But I have to they assume, had to ask for more. I have to assume if the first thing they asked for for any teams was a third round pick, he would have already been traded. Like, if that's where yeah. they started in their negotiations, they he would have already been moved because somebody would have said, oh, that's it? All right. Yeah. 
here we go. Let's make this work. But so I assume at some point they at least asked for a first round pick and teams scoffed at him and said, eh, you got this deadline. We're not giving you a first. And that's, and that's the reason why, because, you know, I guess they would have said, we're not giving them we're not giving you a first, go ahead and cut them. Yeah. And we'll take our chances. Yeah. Which if I'm the Raiders, I'm not cutting him still. I've made that point on here before. I wouldn't cut him. If he was, if I hadn't agreed to a trade February 15th, I'm not cutting him. I'm just waiting and trading him. Because here's the here's the hypothetical for you to use. I'm going to use the Jets because I love to use the Jets. If the Jets are out there and they're they're looking at other quarterback options, what happens to the Jets if Rodgers stays in Green Bay? Lamar gets franchise tagged and the Ravens yeah. refuse to trade him. Daniel Jones gets franchise tagged in yeah. the Giants. Geno Smith resigns with the uh, Seahawks. There's nobody out there. Who's who's left for the Jets? Like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek and Carr. Derek Carr. And if that if all that happens. Indy needs a quarterback. Carolina needs a quarterback. New Orleans, New Orleans needs a quarterback. Tampa probably. Needs. You're yeah. talking about now five teams that need a quarterback that are not going to be picking in that top five of the draft. Right. They could trade up conceivably, but you're talking about like a handful of teams, and all that would be left is Garoppolo. If I'm the Raiders, I just hold Carr and wait for all that to happen, and then once all those dominoes fall, hey, you then you have five Derek or six Carr. teams to trade. To tra- yeah, you need Carr. Your owner just said he's willing to spend whatever it takes to get a good quarterback in New York. Ah, here's Derek Carr. Give us two first First rounders. Exactly. All right. Coming up next year on ESPN Las Vegas, Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. It is finally over. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. If you missed it late last night, Kevin Durant got traded to the Phoenix Suns. I missed it. You asleep? Huh? You asleep? I just wasn't checking. Oh, come on, Ed. You got to be on Twitter right before you fall asleep. I wasn't checking. Last thing you got to see is an Adrian Wojnarowski tweet before you go to bed. I saw it the first thing this morning. So Durant's in Phoenix. Yeah. Is it fair to say the Suns have to win the title or it's a failed season now? Well, they gave gave up a haul, so (sighs) yeah, I think it's fair. I just don't think they're going to win it. I think that's a fair statement. I just don't. I don't think they're going to win it. They have. I just saw some odds. They've jumped to the second best odds in the league behind to win the title behind Boston. The entire league. Yeah. So yep. they're the out best the odds out of the West now yep. after getting Durant. How healthy is he? Well, he's not playing in the All Star game because of an MCL sprain. Strain. Uh, yeah. Strain. Actually, I think is the right word they've been using. So I don't know. <laughs> they traded for a guy who's hurt at the moment. Right. Uh, so yeah, how many games is he actually going to play? It's probably a fair question. I. Everything about Durant has not indicated he could miss the entire season or anything like that. So I assume he's going to play again. And then once he plays, we good to go. The Suns have before getting Durant, they have climbed all the way up to fifth in the West, right? Right now, they'd be the five seed. Now, as we've talked about, the West is bunched up. They're a game and a half out of third. They're also a game and a half ahead of 10th. So... <laughs> The Suns. So they need him to play. Right. <laughs> With Durant, you have to assume they'll go up. Right. But it is entirely possible the Suns go down. Like, it's not crazy to think the Suns would be in the play-in game, uh, especially if Durant's going to be hurt for a while. But they did just get Devin Booker back. He was out with an injury for a little bit, too. So they they weren't playing at even close to full strength. And now they've got Booker back, and presumably they'll have Kevin Durant back. The interesting part on on the Suns is... We've heard a lot going into this year and throughout this year that the Suns' window to win a championship is had closed. Yeah, yep. Basically, it's like, hey, they, they had two they years. They had their shot. And they couldn't get it done. Right. 
this basically blows it back open because Durant, the, the, the key on Durant here, he's under contract for this season and then three more. Now, we've seen that doesn't really matter. <laughs> he can ask for a trade and get traded and all that. But conceivably, if you're the Nets, you now have Kevin Durant for three and a half seasons Thanks. plus Devin Booker. You've got that duo for three and a half seasons. Your championship window should be as long as those two are on your roster as long as you can put something good, something competitive around, around them. them. And it's probably a little unfair to say they have to win the title this year. But I, if they get eliminated in the Western Conference Finals. Or the play-in game. Any time they get eliminated, it's probably going to be a massive disappointment for the Phoenix Suns because you've got Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Plus, by the way, Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. Like, you've got your big two, and then you've got two other solid pieces behind them. Anytime they get eliminated, it's going to be a disappointment. So not winning the title is going to be a disappointment for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. CP3, I wonder what this does for him. Kind of reignites him a little. Yeah, He's in the last I mean, year of his deal. They're not going to bring him back, most likely. So he's got to facilitate to the two guys that actually right. score. The interesting part to me is how many mid-range jumpers is this team going to take? <laughs> because all three of those guys are like mid-range specialists. And they're good for the most part. They're all good at it. It's not those three shooting mid ranges are still usually pretty efficient really shots. Good. But all three of them do the same thing. Like I don't think any like Booker and Durant do a little bit, but none of them are truly like attack the rim right. type of players. This team's going to set some in twenty games. They're going to set some record for most mid range shots taken. They're going to be losing games that. They're going to play the Warriors in the first round and lose because, oh, yeah, Curry makes it uh, from three, and we're only making it from two. Uh, we lost. What do you think the haul they got back on the give back? Um, I asked well, now this that question. They have Cam Thomas. I mean, oh, Cam, the, the I mean, runway is the run, cleared exactly. for Cam, Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas is going to be a superstar. Oh, he's going to score 40 every game the rest yeah. of the year. So I asked this question after they traded away Kyrie Irving, and I was like, what's their goal here? And when they traded Kyrie, right, they could have taken two firsts from the Lakers, but instead they only got one first from the Mavs and then two players in Dorian Finney-Smith and um, Spencer Dinwiddie. And it was like, all right, the trade from the Mavs makes sense because you're getting pieces to help Kevin Durant this season, right? Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith are, you know, good NBA players. They can help you this season. But then to trade Durant for four first-round picks – and then they got Mikhail Bridges out of it. Cam they got Johnson. Cam Johnson out of it. So they got more like good NBA players. But if you were going to trade Durant the entire time, you should have taken the Lakers offer for Kyrie Irving because that was two first round picks. And that was about the future. Whereas they took the Mavs offer, which was about this season. And now this season means yeah. nothing. Right. I that, mean, would I guess, been, that would have been six first rounders. Right. And they, I mean, they still got five. It's not like they traded Right, Kyrie Irving for three second rounders. They still got a first, but it just seems like they sort of had the opposite idea when they made the Kyrie Irving trade from when they made the Kevin Durant trade. The interesting part to me about the the Nets is they've got a lot of picks now. They've gotten five more first round picks in the last couple of days, and they've got like seven guys that you would consider a quality wing that can be a good role player, even starters on an NBA champion championship team, but they don't have the most important thing to win a title. And that's superstar. So are they, if they were, if you told How me, how many wings were, can you play? Yeah, they're going to be playing five small forwards yeah. is basically mm-hmm. what they're doing. So I guess the question is like, 
how do they use these assets to get a, a superstar in the offseason? And who even is going to be available? Because if they if they used a couple of these first-round picks and a couple of these wings and then landed in return in the offseason or whenever, another like top 10 player or whatever, then the Nets would be in pretty good shape going into next season. But I don't know who's going to be available. They've got a lot of pieces. They've got a lot of assets. I just don't know how... Uh, how easy it's going to be to turn those assets into what you need to win a title, and that's a really, really good player like Kevin Durant. It's crazy that we're saying Cam Thomas to build around him. Oh, build around him, baby. Oh, my God. That's going to be – I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. That was honestly what one of my first thoughts. What do we have to do to thoughts? make Cam Thomas better and build around him? Oh, yes. Use the first rounders, get some pieces <laughs> around Cam Thomas. God, I hope he goes for – when did they play again tonight? I hope he goes for 40 oh. again. He's he's jacked up, man. He's the guy now. Oh, I mean, he's been the guy since Durant's been out, but he's really the guy now. Oh man, he's gonna get so many shots, so oh. many shots. They'd give him whatever he wants. <laughs> I love Cam Thomas. I know he's so great. So there's your big trade uh, leading up to the deadline. The trade deadline's still in four or five hours, so there's still a chance that there are other trades. Presumably, the Nets might be trying to trade some of these wings they acquired, and there might be teams in the West saying, "Oh." Kevin Durant's here now. We might need to go do something. OG Ananobi might get moved from the Raptors somewhere. But coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Hello, Jason. Hey, Jason. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Um, would how long could you sit in a dark house by yourself? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing: I can make it four days. Like, come on! I mean, well, is he? He can't do anything. Like, is he not playing board games or cards or solitaire? Or, it's like, dark he's and he's by and, himself. He's I mean, waiting for them to put the food under the slot. You know that it seems a little weird. Yeah, what is he eating during that time? The real question. You know, like if you told me that I just had to stay at home for four days and not talk to anybody. I could do that pretty easily, but if you start taking out like the ability to, I don't know, just like eat food or, or you know, play at least, at least give me a deck of cards in silence. Aaron Rodgers is a weird dude. That's what we really know here. Is like my guy is a weird dude, and if he needs four days of silence to figure out if he wants to live close to the strip, I don't know what we're expecting. <laughs> do you want him to live close to the strip? No, no, I, I've, I cannot say this loud enough. I have zero interest in Aaron Rodgers, the starting quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders, even though. I do think he would make them a better team this year. That's that it's putting a band-aid on something that needs stitches. Like at some point you're going to have to make an actual commitment to trying to figure out how you're going to build the roster long-term. And you're going to have to make an actual commitment to competing with Mahomes and Herbert for the next 12 to 15 years. Even if you go out and you give Aaron Rodgers everything he could possibly want and you bring him to Vegas, you roll the dice that every summer he's going to do exactly to you what he's doing to green Bay. And I don't, I don't want any part of that. Plus, you know, at some point you've got to look at it and say, okay, that if that helps us today, what helps us for the future? There's not a single person around the Green Bay organization that would describe Aaron Rodgers using the word mentor when it comes to Jordan Love. <laughs> so the concept that you're going to draft somebody and he's going to learn from Aaron Rodgers is just ridiculous. This is just all of us wanting our favorite team to be better right now, which I understand, but it's not Madden, it's real football. And at some point, you're going to have to look at Josh McDaniels and say, boy, you better have a, a, an idea of who you're drafting because that's the only real solution coming in this year's draft or this year's quarterback position. Uh, Dave Ziegler 
gave some quotes to the athletic last week and he talked about not wanting to spend a whole bunch of assets, whether that was draft capital or salary cap space on a single player because they had more holes like you were just saying, but he also kind of talked about the value of rookie quarterback contracts and all that. It sounded to me when reading those that Dave Ziegler does not have any interest in Aaron Rodgers that he wants to draft a quarterback. But I guess my main question is, who is making the decision? If Aaron Rodgers says, I want to be traded, I would like to be a Raider. Is it Ziegler? Is it McDaniels? Are they on the same page? Or is there a chance Mark Davis would come in and say, I want Aaron Rodgers and he wants to be here, make it happen? Oh, that's like the worst case scenario. You know, you hear the horror stories of way back in the day. And look, I say this with tremendous love as a Raiders fan for what Al Davis meant to the NFL and to my favorite team and nothing but respect for him. But you hear the horror stories of late in his life where he'd come in and change the whole defensive game plan the day before the game. That's not productive here. Like one thing I will say about Mark Davis is that he seems willing to spend money on superstars whenever, however he needs to look at the WNBA is a great example of that. He's willing to bring in big names, but he also seems willing to let organizations be organizations. Like nobody's sitting here telling Becky Hammond how she can coach the aces. Like that's just not part of it. So I've got to trust that Mark Davis stays out of this equation. That's the only way I see uh, that, that there's any chance Aaron Rodgers ends up in Vegas is if Mark Davis comes in and says, but I want it. And he owns an NFL team. So he can't say, but I want it. I get that's his right. Uh, who should be making this decision is very clearly Dave Ziegler should be making this decision with the input of Josh McDaniels because that's the way productive organizations run. The entire front office sits down together. Everybody says, this is what we're going to do. What do we think? Everybody chimes in. And then the GM has final say. That's how most successful organizations do it. That's how the Raiders should do it. And uh, they should do that with making the best decision for the organization for the five years that are coming up, not just for this year, thinking that they need to coach or decide for their jobs. Uh, if these reports are true, are you surprised if the uh, uh, give back for D- Derek Carr would be a third rounder? Yeah, I mean, I think that's high, right? Like a, a third round pick. Uh, if you'd asked me six months ago, I, I would have thought with that contract they could have gotten more. But we all know that Derek Carr is not going to be a Raider. So a third-round pick just to keep him in that situation is surprising to me. Also surprising given the Saints that like, the Saints are $50 million over the cap. I think it, like, yeah. the amount of money that they are over, like, they are that, that family. Everybody's gone through it if you've ever been broke like I have some, several times in my life. But where you're sitting there and you're like, you're using a credit card to pay a credit card and trying to figure out a way to not have to pay a credit card until you can find a way to get out of debt. That's what the, 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 they're doing with the cap constantly. So, like, I, I don't know long-term how that, that makes them better. Uh, the, the one thing I'd say about the Saints is that they obviously have some good offensive weapons and a talented defense, and Dennis Allen knows Derek Carr very well. So there's a million reasons why it makes sense. But a third-round pick to me seems high for somebody that is likely going to be released in the next few days. So that's a weird way to play chicken, if you ask me. We often talk about how the NFL is the king in this country and how it's the number one topic on every sports radio show. Is it impressive that between LeBron James and Kevin Durant getting traded that the NBA has uh, taken quite a chunk out of Super Bowl week media coverage? Yeah, actually, we're talking about that today on the show. We were talking about it in the meeting. We we had to cancel guests today and blow up a portion of our show just because the lead today is not the Super Bowl. The lead today is obviously, you know, the trade deadline. And, and you know, when you have one of the biggest stars in the game traded, it just sort of hits everybody. And everybody's going to step back and say, what the heck just happened? So it becomes the dominant story. And I think it's, it's huge, but it also speaks to NBA culture. Like one thing that I see all the time, most of the sports center on Snapchat, like it doesn't matter 
what highlight we lead with as long as it's, as it's an NBA superstar and over a million kids will watch every episode. So it's not about a team. It's about the players. And because they've created a situation where players are dominant, especially to the next generation of fans, when a player moves, it's not what does this mean for the team? It's what does this mean for the player and his legacy? And that seems in the short term, it's a brilliant way to market your sport because it's absolutely working. You guys are stealing kids on the Snapchat on SportsCenter <laughs> by showing Luca, even though you might not talk about Luca the entire time. Oh, God. Like, so it is wild because on Snapchat, we get the metrics every day. So we know exactly about about 1.5 million kids between 13 and 24 watch SportsCenter on Snapchat every day. And so we know the exact moment they click through. We know when they decide they don't want anything. And what's alarming, and, and nobody really cares about today, but in 10 years will be interesting, is that we can't talk about the NFL and hold kids for more than 20, 30 seconds. We can show NBA highlights and hold them for two minutes. So it's, it is wild the difference in, in young folks, the youngins out there. They just want to see great dunks and great passes and, oh, my God, playground action from Luca or from Ja. They don't really care where, you know, what the team is. Wait, what happens to these numbers when you show a baseball highlight on accident? Baseball actually does better than you would think. Really? Because it, yeah, it's a, like, and I was surprised by that, too. I went in one day all cocky thinking I know what I'm talking about, and I'm like, ah, no baseball. Then they showed me the metrics. Baseball does, uh, baseball does pretty well. Hockey is doing better than, uh, than ever on Snapchat. You know, if you can make it a quick, oh, my God, look at this goal, or oh, my God, look at that home run, people will watch that. But oh, my God, this quarterback is being traded, or oh, my God, this person just – like, I promise you this, if Derek Carr gets traded today, uh, I'm hosting SportsCenter on Snapchat, Snapchat tonight. If Derek Carr gets traded today, it won't even make the episode unless there's a sponsored reason that we have to talk about football. Really? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 13 to 24-year-old kids do not care about transactional football. All right. Maybe I need to start paying attention to these Snapchat numbers. Stop. I, we've been talking about Derek Carr all week. Apparently, I need to stop. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, not different <laughs> audiences, though. Remember, like we we, we are the audience of the old folks. Let's go. <laughs> Have you, uh, have you changed your mind on the Super Bowl and how it's going to play out? No, I still think Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl. I, I'm stunned by the amount of people that think that Philadelphia is going to win by two touchdowns. I just, you know, we have absolutely no proof of concept that Jalen Hurts can uh, go in and light up a Super Bowl. And, and we haven't seen the best of Patrick Mahomes. He's had one good quarter out of eight so far in the Super Bowl. I'll say that. But to me, you know, coaches that have been in the Super Bowl taking on coaches that haven't are 16 and 11 all time. So that, that's a pretty substantial edge to the guy that's been there before. I think having been there before really helps a lot of the Chiefs in this situation. It's a coin flip game, and if i got to flip a coin, I'm going with the better quarterback coach tag team, and that to me is the Kool-Aid man and, uh, and gravel boys. All right, he's Jason Fitz from ESPN and SportsCenter on Snapchat for all the 13- to 24-year-olds. Thanks, Jason. Have a good show. Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, I don't think our audience is 13 to 24 years old, so we can keep talking about Derek Carr potentially getting traded. No, but that's a great, that's a great story in terms of Snapchat and what they. I'm I, I'm not surprised. I guess it's the NBA, but that much in terms of the uh, metrics, in terms of how they wouldn't watch football at all. I'm surprised it's it's so extreme that Carr yeah. getting traded would not be covered on SportsCenter on Snapchat right. because they've determined 13 to 24 year olds don't, don't care, care about NFL trades. Which, all right, I guess, I guess if I am on Snapchat or like TikTok, I want to see a video of something cool. I don't want to hear somebody break down a trade. If I right. want to hear somebody break down a trade, I'm going to go to actual yeah, you go to TV actual sports or, center or TV. radio or read about right. it. So.
I guess that makes a little bit of sense when you think about it. But still, to not even it, to be like, wow, we wouldn't even mention it. That's right. kind of crazy to me because that's if Carr were to get traded today, it'd be dwarfed by Kevin Durant, obviously. But that's one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the league getting right. traded. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, UNLV. They beat Wyoming. Rodriguez out top, Mawoka. Left side, Keyshawn Gilbert. A three by Keyshawn is good. And the Rebels still mm. <laughs> only three-point field goals. Five of them. And they lead 16 to 13. Keyshawn Gilbert drives. Keyshawn underneath. The Rebels have a two-point basket. 24-23. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. UNLV beat Wyoming yesterday 69-59. to I would hope so. Wyoming had eight available players. Um, Graham Ike, who would have been their best player, hasn't played all season. They officially ruled him out for the rest of the year with a foot injury. Their leading scorer, Noah Reynolds, got ruled out for the rest of the season due to uh, suffering multiple concussions this three of them. year. And then three players, not injury-related, left the program. Those were the transfers that came yeah. in that everyone thought was going to be great and lift them date. Look, a lot of before EK's injury and everything, a lot of people had these guys picked one in the conference. Yeah. They had EK and Maldonado, their big two, and then they added multiple yeah. transfers from the from Power 12. Five. Ethan Anderson was one of them, who was originally a Marvin Menzies commit, and then when Menzies got fired, went to USC and then transferred to Wyoming. But those three left the program, leaving Wyoming with eight available players. And uh, I believe it was two of those eight were walk ons. That's not a real basketball team anymore. No. <laughs> They're barely holding on for the last, whatever they got, seven games left in the Mountain West season. So UNLV got a win in Laramie. But here's the key news. David Milwaukee played 18 minutes. It's the most he's played since January 11th. Now, Victory Waco still played 19 minutes. Darn it. I was so right there. Still got him right by there. one minute. Got me by one. Uh, but here's the interesting part on David Milwaukee. In his 18 minutes, he only had three points, three rebounds, and one assist. So it's not like he put up some great stat line, right? I didn't even think he played all that well in the game. But with Muoka on the floor, UNLV outscored Wyoming by 16 points. With Iwako on the floor, they were outscored by three. And Keyshawn Hall, who played all of two minutes, he only they played were outscored two minutes by three. Night. Can I get, let me quickly to get sidetracked. Keyshawn Hall had this sequence and got pulled and didn't play again. He got called for an offensive foul. Then he failed to call out a screen. Harkless got dropped to the floor and they gave up a dunk. Keyshawn Hall then missed a three and then he got beat off the dribble for a layup. All of that happened in like 20 seconds and he got pulled off the floor and didn't come back in the game. <laughs> so that's why Keyshawn Hall only played two minutes last night, but they were minus three with him on the floor. So that's plus 16 with Muoka. Minus six without David Mawoka, which means over the last two games, if you just take the last two games and put them together, when Mawoka's on the floor, UNLV is outscoring their opponent by 23. When he's off the floor, they're getting outscored by 16. This is so obvious. It hurts that David Mawoka is not the first option at center. It's so obvious. Kevin Kruger's listening to the show on a two-week delay. Is this got to catch up? Literally, what Mike Ramallah wrote because it's the effort. What? Because we said yesterday he's not hurt and he's not being disciplined, right? Because we wouldn't be playing eighteen minutes, right? So, is it as 
Did you hear Mike Grimaldi got called he out? Got, last he night? got a shout out by he got a the TV announcer. Good journalism. Oh, good, good journalism. journalism. That was great. I thought that was great. Uh, but he had written a story that a lot of it was effort. So he wrote the story about David Mawoka and what needs to happen. And there still wasn't actually like a specific from Kevin Kruger because Kevin Kruger talked about, he said it was an intangible reason that David Mawoka saw his playing time cut and that he was. Uh, more aggressive offensively earlier in the year and less aggressive recently. But I don't know why Kevin Kruger's trying to die on this hill when it's hurting his team. Like, I don't understand why this is the hill he wants to die on because that's what Kevin Kruger's doing. He's dying on a hill that doesn't help his team. He's dying on a hill that hurts his team because he wants Mawoka to catch the ball, make a spin move and dunk on somebody, which sure, that would be great if he did that more often. Nobody's denying that, but it's not like Victory Walko's out there doing that. It's not like you put in Iwako and that guy's a superstar offensive center. He's also kind of bad offensively. He made a Victory Walko had a good spin move, got an open layup. He missed the entire layup. It was like, well, that is that really why? Because he made a good spin move and missed the layup as opposed to, I don't know, softly going up with a hook shot. It's just a random hill for Kevin Kruger to die on, and it doesn't make any sense because it's so painfully obvious. David Mawoka is their best option at center. Then I can't tell you why he's doing it. I have, I don't know what intangibles mean. It's, it's. I mean, like you said, is it the aggressiveness? Is the the effort? It's got to be one of those one of those two or three things yeah. you're talking about. But there's it's, there's only so many things it could be. Right, but it's in. It's not like David Mawoka's not trying out there either. It's not like he's out there. Yeah, it's just, not, he's not. It doesn't appear that he's jogging up right. and down the court it's and just, not making an effort. They're just like not happy that when he catches the ball on the block, he's not just dunking on his defender. It's like they want him to be a more assertive offensive center. It's like that's not who he is. Even you go back to when they got but him. But neither from, is the guy you're playing. Right, exactly. Even when you go back to when they got him from Lamar, he was the conference defensive player of the year at Lamar. It, when they got him, it was very obvious. They got him because he's a really good defensive center. He's a rim protector. Rim protector. Center. That's his value. Benching him because he's not more aggressive or assertive offensively makes no sense whatsoever. So I don't get it. It, it, Hurts the team. It's painfully obvious. It's just, it's a random hill to die. It's got to be that there's, it's like some in practice, hey, you have to give us this level of aggressiveness. And if you don't, you're not going to play. And Kruger said that, and he's stuck to that, even though it's hurting the team. It's, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre to me. However, EJ Harkless had 33 points last night for as much as I've talked about his inefficiency, because he's not been the most efficient player, especially from three, from three point line, he's, he's not. I don't know what his percentage is now, but it's twenty four percent before last night. He hit five of eight from three. He was eight of twelve from the floor. He got to the free throw line fourteen times, made twelve of them. He was extremely efficient last night, and it's a good thing he was because guys not named EJ Harkless made nine shots last night. Guys not named DJ Harkless shot under 30% from the floor last night. So it's a good thing Harkless was efficient because otherwise they lose that game. He's up to 26 and a half. Killing it. <laughs> Had a quote saying eventually he was going to catch it was going to catch up for him. I mean it couldn't go anywhere but up. No. So you know, I mean maybe maybe he st- gets on fire here and starts shooting threes more. 
or not more, but better. Makes them more. Makes yeah. them more. That was the the absolute funniest part of this game to me was that you heard it there on the call we came back in with. UNLV's first six made shots of the we're game. Were threes. I think actually my first seven made shots of the game were all three pointers. Yeah. And there was like we got into the final, I think, three minutes before they made a two point basket in yeah. that game. Kishan, Gilbert, yeah. Gil- yeah, Gilbert would like drove and scored a layup. And Wyoming played like the most disrespectful defense I think I've ever seen. They had zero interest in guarding UNLV's players on the three point line. Like they'd guard the guy who had the ball, but they were like, yeah, we're going to put like three guys in the paint at all times. So there was, there wasn't really anywhere to drive. It wasn't like UNLV just didn't want to drive. It's like, oh, I could take a wide open three or drive into three defenders. Right. Well, I'm going to take the three. And they actually got off to a pretty hot start from three. But that was one of the most disrespectful defenses I've seen anybody run against UNLV. And it didn't work because Wyoming is not a great defensive team. And this didn't work either. So UNLV got to win largely because they shoot well and uh, because Wyoming had eight available players. Boy, Wyoming's bad. They're not good. I mean, and they don't have anybody left. And it's too bad because you're right. I mean, injuries, guys leaving the program. What do you expect? Right. There, there were a couple times where Hunter Maldonado got on a little bit of a run, and I was like, oh, boy. They're going to lose because that guy's going to go for 40, are they? Can the Rebs get to six? This would be a rematch, right? 6-11? Oh, it would, yeah, it would be the 6-11. Because Wyoming's going to finish last. I don't think they win another game. <laughs> they don't have a play. Well, they, they have, have six players, players by yeah. the time the Mountain West Tournament comes around. They might not. Uh, yeah, this uh, they could get to six. They got to get past Fresno State, who they don't have the tiebreaker against. And then they they need to beat San Jose State the next time they play them. So, Which is here. So they could get to six. It's not crazy to think they could. They've got the players to go on a run, even against some of the better teams, and get up to the sixth seed.